Hey, friends, if you're just tuning in, you've been prayed for. I am so glad that you guys are checking out this message today. Did a little uh, little commercial, if you will, earlier trying to just bring some folks in to hear this message. And this is a message of hope. This is a message of uh, the greatest gift ever given. God gives life. God uh, works in some, some mysterious ways. I hear that a lot. But really, is it that mysterious when you read the Bible? Because God is always looking to do good for his children. And a lot of times we don't understand some of the things that we go through. But I tell you what, God can use them for the good. And we're going to be sharing that a little bit today. So uh, in just a minute, I'm going to be bringing up a good friend of ours. And uh, Brother Dave Rabin is going to come and share a little bit about his journey. But for those of you who have not uh, heard about this, Dave has been going through quite a journey the last year with, uh, so I don't even want to tip my hand too much, with some medical issues and things like that. And he's going to go in and dig in on that. And he told me what the title of this was. And I said, we're going to do what? And he said, it was going to be coming out of the closet. So I said, well, let's do coming out of the closet with our faith. All right. Let's talk about that. And he's going to talk about so many times, you know, in our life, sometimes we, we don't want to share our faith. We kind of in the background. But when God does something miraculous in your life. When God really speaks life into your life, you can't help but share that. And this is our scripture that I chose today. And yeah, that's Dave right there smiling. In Romans 8, 28, and we know that God, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And you know, a lot of times we don't get to see the other end of that, uh, this side of heaven. But I'm going to tell you what, today we do. And we get to share that. So I'm going to ask you to welcome Brother Dave on in. Come on up. We're going to pray for him. All right, y'all turned on, ready to go. He's ready to go. I'm going to pray for him, and then we're going to jump right on in. And I'm going to get out of the way. There you go. You got it, brother. All right, come on. Weebly. That's good. Lord, I thank you for Dave and his willingness. I just thank you for the family. Uh, just, just coming alongside, Lord. And as much as it is his journey, it's really God's testimony, Lord. And we've had the privilege to walk with him through some of this, Lord. But today he comes and shines your glory through his life. And Lord, I ask you to be with him today. Touch the hearts and the ears of those listening. Share this message, friends, so people can be blessed by what our God does. In Jesus' name, amen, my friends. It's all yours. Oh, my. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Dave Rabin. I've been down here since, I guess, 1978. My mom was a Firth. My wife is at Evans. And my dad was out of towner. But this is my town. I consider it my town. Uh, I've worked many jobs in engineering, and my heart led me to law enforcement. In law enforcement, unfortunately, I was able to recover 24 bodies and save five people. That's five people that are alive today because God put me in a special place. I chose coming out of the closet as my topic, and you have to excuse me because the diabetes and all the chemo and the narcotics just screwed my eyes up. But... I've always felt I was a Christian. I knew that in my heart. And I'm sure a lot of you are the same way. I was always behind the scenes. Always doing things that needed to be done. Whether it's picking the trash up after visitation. Or getting food somewhere. Or getting ice. Moving coolers. Whatever it took. Uh, Buddy and KTP. I was able to introduce them to the Christian Motorcycle Association. They used to do concerts at Buck Row Beach. You know, KTP. We would do security. I had a lady come up to me one day and she says, what are you doing? I said, it's a Christian concert. She says, you can't be a Christian. I said, why not? She says, you ride a motorcycle. I said, can you show me that in the book? I mean, I really wanted to know. But like I said, I was never one to get out and talk about my faith. I think people knew it. I felt that leading by example was good enough. But apparently, as we've learned in the past year, This may not have been the 
plan God had for me. Um, I'd lost faith, I admit it. A uh, lot of bad things had happened. My in-laws, who I love dearly, passed away within three weeks of each other. Terrible. My mother passed December 2nd, just three days before my birthday. And I'd really just like, okay, what's going on here? I just could not find my faith. But we were out at dinner, and uh, Donna, Lynn, Glory, we're going to church. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But they got me up. We came back to church. And what was the, the message that day we came back to church? Believe it or not, it's God's got it. I sat back there next to Glory, and I teared up. That message was speaking to me. It was like, all right, fat boy. I was fat then. I was 326 pounds. I'd worked a long time to get there. <laughs> but he was telling me, you got to get out and do more. Um, I couldn't get my sugar under control. Being a diabetic, it was up four, five, six hundred, and which is not good. That's when it starts affecting your eyes and your feet. Pretty much you're moody. Glory calls it the diamines. Um, went to the doctor. I told the doctor I couldn't get my sugar under control. She immediately starts with the shots. And I said, but I got this little pain here every now and then. And I said, it'll stop me in my tracks. Well, the, the doctor ordered a CAT scan. Yeah, it's okay. It's going to be a gallbladder. We'll take that out. Life be good. Let me tell you what. When your doctor walks in, she takes your glasses off, starts crying, and hugs you. You know it's not a good appointment. Of course, uh, I think, and Glory thinks that they should have had, she should have been there with me. I was alone. Uh, went out in the parking lot. I called Glory. Talk about a pillar of strength. Here I am. I got my gun. I got my bat belt on. I'm in my police car. I'm ready to go serve, protect, and defend. And I lose it. What did she say? We'll get through it. The power of prayer will make it happen. That was just amazing. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, which is the third leading cause of death, you know, within this country, within the world. 18% of those uh, that are diagnosed are eligible for surgery. That's not good. You know, we've, we've got to do something. 5% are no longer around after two months. They usually find it and you're gone. Uh, survival rate without surgery, one year is 29%. Again, not very good. Five years is 7%. With surgery, five years is 27%. After that, they usually stop tracking it because they figure something else is going to get you. I feel she may get me before that time's up. <laughs> you know? During, during this time, the narcotics, I bought a motorhome and another Corvette, so I can blame it on the narcotics. But. So you, you can see the outlook was not good. So dinner one, you know, Friday and Lynn, we, with Don and Lynn, we again told her what was going on. We, we talked about, you know, how we can get through it in the faith. And it gets back to that message. God's got it. You know, but he said it that day, sitting right there. And I think he was looking at me. And I told him after the service, 
Man, that was for me. That was directed to me. I don't know what the rest of y'all got out of it, but that was me. So, I being stubborn, you know, the testing down here local, they're not the greatest at expediting things. They wanted to wait six months and do something again. But uh, Glory and one of my friends, and I was told he couldn't be my best friend because he was Jewish when we went to a Baptist church, but I haven't seen that in the Bible anywhere either. They, they convinced me we're going Johns Hopkins. We showed up at Johns Hopkins, what was it, like 8 o'clock on a Monday morning? Orientation. Then it was like I was on a fast track. Next thing I know, I'm getting a CAT scan. Then I'm getting a biopsy. And, of course, I got a sense of humor. So, you know, I'm in there and I'm looking at all these women. And I said, this reminds me of a party in college one time. The doctor looks at me, put him down. She didn't say out. She said, put him down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bad sense of humor. So, we, you know, we went up there. We came back down. Uh, we, while we were sitting there, let me tell you, we were sitting there and we decided if the surgeon comes in first, that's a good sign. And my sister was with us. If the oncologist comes in, that's going to be okay. But if one of the pastors comes in, we're in trouble. Well, in walks the surgeon. I think all three of us jumped up and high five. Surgeon stood back and said, what's up? <laughs> so they told us we were eligible for surgery in their program. Um, I opted to go into their program, which means they can take blood, they can take cells, they can take whatever they want. They took Fred. They've sampled Fred, you know. Fred was my tumor. I had to name him, you know, get rid of him. Um, but I decided, stubborn as I am, that I was going to stay down here and have my surgery. Tough decision. The surgeon down here would do one of these every two months. The doctor up there looked at me and says, I have people fly from all over the world to do these. All over the world. So I said, well, what are you doing this afternoon? He was booked. I said, Saturday, I'm available. Again, he was booked. Monday, he couldn't make it. I mean, I tried. I tried. I wanted to get it done fast. I wanted Fred gone. I wanted to move on with my life. Um, I started my chemo. And I'm going to tell you, I thought it was the toughest thing I've ever done. If you guys remember, I would be here every other Sunday because the chemo on Friday would... It would almost kill you until Thursday. Thursday, you'd be like, man, I feel good. Give me something to eat. Friday, you'd go right back in there. Now, if you sat in a place like that with, what would you say, 35, 40 other people that are in there doing the same thing you're doing. And I was fortunate. I met a gentleman, Mr. Austin, who told me, this is what you're going to feel. This is what it's going to be like. This is how it's going to work out. And he was great. Older black gentleman who has to go through chemo every other week for the rest of his life. I pray for him. They call us. They text the glory on the way home to Johns Hopkins. How's Dave doing? They're concerned. Um, again, I thought the chemo was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. And I sat there while this poison is going into my body and your muscles are quivering, your stomach's turning. and If you grab something cold, 
it burns. I mean, it's like being electrocuted. I threw an orange across the house because Mr. Austin didn't say nothing about not grabbing an orange. Well, I grabbed it out of the refrigerator. Man, she flew. But I thought about this. And again, I think this was God talking to me. Here's Jesus. He's on a cross. They're driving nails into his hands without narcotics. That's pain. And that pain was for me. That pain was for you. That pain was for everybody. To me, that was just, I can't say enough about it. It really brought me around. So from that point on, God's got it become my motto. The bracelets, the t-shirts, you know, the bracelets, I said, were not for me. We would pass them around at the hospital. We still go back to the hospital, you know, to visit people. And when I walk in, the elderly people are there, raise their arms, and they point at the bracelets. And some of them say, can I have another? I've given it to somebody that needed it worse than me. So I'd say probably, what do you think, 1,000, 1,500 bracelets so far? T-shirts, my sister made T-shirts. It's all amazing. And, and that's the way I went through it. Uh, chemo took a lot out of me. And y'all got to bear with me on this. I mean, I get a little choked up. And one day I was home. I walked outside because I was really bummed and depressed. I looked down the steps. My dad was standing there. And my dad had died in Rodanthe, North Carolina, in our little beach place without us being able to say goodbye. My dad and I didn't have a very good relationship. You know, as I, as I told somebody earlier, Mr. Bobby was at the hospital for the birth of both my children. My dad was not. My dad's standing there, short pants, no shirt, Land of Braves baseball cap. I still got that baseball cap. He looked up at me, he says, it's going to be all right. Well, I freak out. I tell Gloria, and she'll tell you the same thing. You know, my dad said it's going to be okay. All glory again would say, faith and prayers. About halfway through my chemo, the first round of chemo was 16 weeks, glory. Is that correct? Eight treatments of getting poisoned every other Friday. But you know what? I was sitting there, and I felt a presence. And I hope you believe me. I felt pressure here, and it felt like my mom comforting. And I said, well, I guess it's time to go home. You know, I figured the chemo had done got me, and it was time to, you know, go home with my family, visit my Lord and Savior. But then I felt something in here, and it was twisting and turning. It wasn't gas, because she didn't feed me any beans. But I'm sorry, I have a sense of humor. I apologize. But it was twist and turn. I want you to remember that now. Remember that part. Um, I shared it with a few people. I shared it with Gloria. I think Donna, I told her one day. And uh, so the decision again was made to go up to Johns Hopkins. It was originally scheduled to be done on Halloween. And I was like, uh-oh, trick or treat. But we got a call, and it was pushed back to Thursday the 2nd. Again, God's amazing. We learned that if we had done as scheduled, the anesthesiologist that was part of my surgeon's team called out sick. So he wasn't real excited about the anesthesiologist he would have had to use, which makes me happy. Um, we showed up at the hospital, checked in. I'm sitting there because 
Those of us that's been checked in were in one section and the family was in another. And as I'm walking back, I'm talking to this, this gentleman named Jerry Smith. He was in there for the same surgery. You know, so I was like, wow, two of us, you know, what, what, what a thought. Why couldn't we have talked yesterday when we met? So we talked a little bit, and he went into his room, and I went into my room, and so on like that. Uh, as I was laying there getting prepped, I looked up, and one of my surgeons' name was Dr. Grimm. Well, there you go, you're laughing, because you know, sense of humor, who'd I start busting on? That's bad when you're busting on the guys getting ready to cut you open. But I did. When I woke up, guess what? I was still busting on Dr. Grimm. <laughs> it's just my way. I was telling my bad jokes, you know? You know, I talk, my son hates my bad jokes, so I was telling all the nurses when my son got down the hall asking these jokes. So they knew I was all right when I was telling the jokes. The first day, uh, okay, let's go back to the other part. Remember I talked to you about something working in my stomach? Well, the first surgeons told Glory, I mean, we were cut open for 12 hours laying there, and I know people were wondering if I was coming back or not, that my tumor was wrapped in, what did they say, what seems like concrete, which is amazing. They'd never heard of that before. And they usually go in on a tumor on the pancreas, and they peel it away like a, like a banana. Mine, they didn't. They had to back up and get another plan, and do some cutting and some sawing and some jackhammering, but they got it out. So, again, I say that God is amazing because we talked to a clinical representative as part of my volunteer for the tumor thing. He says that that concrete or whatever was secretion around that tumor kept that cancer from spreading to my liver and everything else. They were just amazed. Like I said, God's got it. God's got it. It's the power of God. You know. Um, first day in ICU, I was sitting upright. I was ready to take a walk. Then I flatlined. Now here's what I'd like you to do. I want everybody to close your eyes. No, I'm not going to throw nothing at you. I want you to close your eyes and think of the most peaceful time you've ever had. No fears. You're not worried about the light bill. You can see what's going on around you. You can see the fat boy standing up here talking. Think of it. No worries. Full content. That was seven seconds. Seven seconds. And I was watching them. There was no up here looking down. There was nobody saying, come on, it's time to go. You know, I was expecting all that. You know, my fears about going up there were my worries about glory. If she had to strap me on the top of the truck to bring me home. You know, I could just wave at everybody with the wind. But I think in my heart, and I'm sure you'll agree, that was God. He was saying, I've told you. I've got it. When the next thing I see is a pair of feet straight up in the air. And I cleared my head and I recognized them feet. They was mine. The girl flipped me back into bed so fast that the blood rushed back and started my heart. It was just incredible. It was, I was calm, but yeah, I was glad to be back. I love my family. I got, I got two kids, two grandkids, loving wife, and some fantastic friends that have pushed me through this. So, I, I, I thought about this. I, I wanted to look. I was flatlined for seven seconds. 
I thought seven seconds would win you a rodeo, but I was told it was eight, so we know that. that. Um, seven occurs in the Bible 257 times. That's a lot. That number seven. Why did it have to be seven? Why couldn't it be six? Couldn't be eight? Couldn't be ten? Glad it weren't 30 minutes, but, you know, that's another story. So I started looking, and here's a couple of things we picked out that I thought were really significant. On the seventh day, creation was complete. Six days he created the world, on the seventh day he rested. Am I right on that? What can I say? Wow. Seven is the number of perfection and completeness. Does that mean I'm perfect and complete? No, it means I got a long way to go to get there. So think about that. Seven seconds. It was exactly seven. They measured. They told Glory it was seven. You know, I'd flatlined twice on the table in the operating room, but they failed to tell her that until after I was better. Think about this. I was blessed to be able to talk to a lot of my church family on FaceTime. Two days after being split wide open and then putting everything up here and doing what they had to do. Um, even in the hospital, I was sharing our God's Got It bracelets and talking to anyone that listened. Gloria will tell you, one of the, was she a nurse or a practitioner or something that came in there? Somebody came in and I was sitting in my room with a gentleman from Roanoke sharing the gospel. You know, and she says, this is highly unusual. And I'm looking at her like, what? <laughs> it's normal. Two people want to talk about God and their experiences. It was great. I still keep in touch with him on Facebook. Facebook's amazing. You know, allows me to keep in touch with him and see how his progress is going. Um, again, you know, Gloria and I spend a lot of time at the oncology center. We still go back. We walk in. I said, they'll hold up their bracelets or they'll ask for another one. One of the nurses says, what you got in your pocket? Because I always go in with a wad full in there. And I pull them out and I share them. We've shared bracelets, this message. It's not my message. It's God's message. It's our message as a church family. So God's got it. They're in New Zealand. They're in Ireland. My surgeon has one. Which is amazing. You know, I got a surgeon that is a God fearing man. Just, yeah, that's it. God's awesome. God's awesome. Kind of shaky here. Uh, since returning, we've found out that my tumor markers are normal. The range on a tumor marker is 35 and below for normal. Mine were up near 800. When we started this journey in February, and now they're 33. I think everybody said 33. Oh, praise God! That's all you can say, you know. And and I owe that to my faith in God, my family, both Gloria and the kids, Donna, Mr. Bobby, Miss Grace, amazing people, my church family, my work family. Everybody has been supportive. I could have easily crawled in a bed and stayed there, pulled the blanket over my head. But these guys wouldn't let me. You know, glory made me get out of bed. You know how hard it is to get out of bed when you're sick? You don't feel good? It's tough. It's real tough. They'd make me get out of bed. They'd make me do things I didn't want to do. 
get out of that recliner. I got a big man recliner. But they'd make me get out of the recliner. They'd make me walk. They'd make me do things. You know, when I was feeling like it, we'd go for a ride in a the car. They wouldn't let me drive. Again, something about driving with narcotics isn't good. Oh, well, I can blame the Corvette and the motorhome with narcotics. You know, it's just one of those things. But I know and I tell everyone that I stand before you right now as basically, I hate to call myself a miracle of God, but I feel I am. When you look at the statistics, look at the statistics of what's there. Now, I know you're watching me take my clothes off, aren't you? Some of y'all getting all excited. All right, you don't have to hide your eyes back there. But to me, look, this is what it's about. It's on the bracelets. You'll see them at the bank. You'll see them at the McDonald's. You'll see them at the Farm Fresh. They're everywhere. I mean, they're just something. And I don't, they're not for me. They're for everybody. You know, I've seen these t-shirts, you know, on people I did not know that my sisters made them for. This has brought me and my family a lot closer together. Um, I told Glory when we started this journey that I had the easy job. I have to get sick and get better or sick and go home. That was it. All you can do is watch. I think the people that have the toughest job during something like this is the caretakers. And they deserve a special prayer. Because they are the ones that have to wake you up 11 o'clock every night. <laughs> Check your sugar. Give you a shot. They're the ones that uh, make you survive. You know, God's got it. and He's guiding these caretakers through this process. It has been painful. But again, nothing compared to the pain that Jesus went through when he sacrifices his life for us. Nothing. I mean, think about that. Yeah, they cut me from here to here every morning. I look at this question mark around my belly button. I guess it was easy to go around and go through. But when I, I went back up there Friday because I had these tubes on my side. And a lot of you see me come in and I kind of hesitate to hug you on the right side. The tube that was supposed to be up in what was left of my pancreas, there's 20% of that left, had come loose and had fallen down. Golly, it hurt. It hurt, it hurt, it hurt. But I guess it hurt when she yanked it out too. She like she pulled start one of them outboard motors. You know, it just, but it was out. And I'm feeling so much better. My strength is coming back. I am just blessed. Like I said, you don't want to call yourself a miracle, but think about it. You saw the statistics. I should be gone, but I'm not. I've lost a sixth grader. I mean, I've gone from 326 to 234, you know, so we've lost a sixth grader somewhere along the way, but I think that, you know, they took uh, 20% of my stomach, they took a bunch of my intestines out, they took out a gallbladder, and I think they found a thing that made me so emotional. I think I know a lot of you guys knew when I try and talk before I get very emotional. Now I'm pumped. I want to share this story. It may not touch everybody. If it touches one person, if one person wants to come up to me and ask me, how did it feel? What can I do? I'll share it with them. I will be the first one to admit, out of everybody in here, I'm probably the worst one at being able to quote scripture. 
chemo brain maybe. Maybe I need to read my Bible more. Cleaning the garage yesterday, we found an Old New Testament Bible sitting on the top shelf. I said, Gloria, where'd that come from? She got it down, she opened it up, and it was given to somebody during World War II, and it had the dedication by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It had the gentleman's name in it, and it had uh, his address, Messick, Virginia. I said, well, do you want to put that somewhere? She says, no, you might need it. (laughs) And she's right, because in that Bible, there's a Google search. If you're feeling this, look here. If you're feeling that, look there. And I know there's a few people in here that know I'm the most patient person in the world. Have never seen me lose my patience, have we? (laughs) So it's there. It's there where I like to spend my time, in my garage. I said, Gloria, are you going to take it upstairs? She says, no, you're going to need it. You know, what can I say? God is amazing. God has got it. Put your faith in Him. You want bracelets to share it with somebody? I'll order more. Somebody wants to talk? Tell them, call me. I'd love to share my story personally. I'd love to help you through it. They put me on the list at Sintera to talk to people that are going through the similar things. Oh, it's a blessing. You know, when I walk in here and I can see people smile, and a lot of these people are the ones that show up in taxi cabs and they're in wheelchairs, but I walk in and they're like, got my bracelet. Or, can I have another one? I ran into somebody that needed one worse. What do you do? It's amazing. God's got it. If they want to listen. I think yesterday, uh, when you were there amongst the crowd that was coming through, one of my neighbors come over and he says, hey, look, I want to talk to you more about this seven. When you get a chance, I want to talk to you. Sure. Absolutely. Again, I can't quote scripture yet. But you know what? I've got something to strive for. I've got a family I want to be around for. I want to go to the Philippines. You know, buddy called me one night and says, hey, the church in the Philippines is doing a prayer-a-thon for you, 24-hour prayer-a-thon. Why? They don't know me. They've never met me. Here they are. They're taking time out of their day to do a 24-hour prayer-a-thon for somebody they've never met. I lost it. Glory to you, I, I cried like a baby. It was so touching that somebody would do that. And we have to remember, it's God's love. That's what he does for us. You know, I pray that everyone knows who our Lord and Savior is. Again, I think of the, you know, the cross. Um, I think of the hand coming down to help you with the nail holes in it. That's the visions that I just have. Um, I never question anything. I just go through it. But I think God is leading me in a different direction. Would you agree? Amen. So, I think I've said enough. That's okay. Uh, if anybody's got any questions, like I said, I'd love to share it. It's, it's just an amazing thing to walk into a hospital. And people see you, you know, the, the four months of chemo, 328 chemo pills, 28 radiation treatments, which left burns. But you know what? There's always somebody worse. You share the love of God when you go in there. If somebody is down, glory to God, we go sit in there. I don't know them, but I'm going to talk to them. 
you know. And all I get is one person to open up and say, hey, I'd like to have one of those. In the pocket we go, and we're giving them to everybody. And the nurses love to see me come because they know the, I guess I want to say the Spirit is with us because, you know, Gloria's been with me. Gloria has pushed me. You know, if it wasn't for her and the petticoat government, I would have had surgery down here. Twelve days I was in the hospital up there. Twelve days. Down here, I could have had a lot more people visit. But then again, the doctor told Gloria up there, if somebody down here would have attempted it, it would have took them 15 hours. You know, 12 hours, I'm laying there open, hoping they don't, you know, mess up. 12 hours. Didn't seem like that to me, you know. I was like, busting on Graham, and next thing you know, I'm busting on Dr. Graham again. But God works in the mysterious ways. I think that message that Buddy delivered when God's got it, whoa, you know, that was just, guess what? That's me. Let's move on with this. So any questions? Be glad to answer them. Yes, ma'am. We prayed a lot, and I'd sit on the side of the bed, and I'd look at glory, and I'd say, I can't do this anymore. Just imagine they stick this needle, I've got a port where they plug in, and you know what's coming. Every muscle in your body will quiver. You will fade in and out. When you get done, you pray that you have enough strength to make it to the car. But even in doing that, I would keep a smile on my face. I never let them know that I was down. It was always a smile, always cracking a bad joke, you know. Um, it just was such, I think God was moving in me. Don't let them see your weakness. My, like I said, my two worst times, like I said, my dad showed up and then, Mom, and I know that was God's hands working in my guts. It was just, you know, you can't explain it. People say, oh, yeah, right, it was the narcotics. Well, it wasn't. It was proved out when the surgeons removed that tumor. They will tell you. I asked them, I said, well, when y'all finished, did y'all step back and high-five each other? Because we, we have four surgeons in there, five. Five surgeons in there working on me at one time. I said, well, did y'all step back and high-five? He said, no, but we thought about going and getting a drink. <laughs> yeah, it was just amazing to have that many caring people. And when I was up there, I, I know Glory, gosh, I can't imagine what she was going through. Twelve hours and not knowing when it was supposed to be a six-hour surgery. Yeah, twelve hours. I'm laid open. And I guess I could see in there with a squirt bottle spraying everything down so it wouldn't dry out. But, uh, you know, that was their job. But blessed by amazing surgeons. Uh, I can't say enough about Johns Hopkins. We did spend a little time. They've got, what is it, about a 40-foot Jesus in there, 50-foot? Hand-carved out of marble. And we spent some time in there just looking up that and just amazed. You know, and 
Thanksgiving, one of my nurses was in Hampton visiting her boyfriend's family. A nurse from Baltimore calls up and asks, can she come by and see us? You know, that, that to me is just, we made a little impression on her. I think she considers us extended family now. The chemo center, I've got a uh, cousin Kenny. Cousin Kenny, he adopted us. I think he's going through leukemia. Great young man. Says he's got three wives. I've met two of them. The third one's in law school, which I guess he'll need if he's got three wives. (laughs) But, yeah, to get through the tough parts, I used my humor. I think seeing my, my mom or feeling my mom and then seeing my dad was just, I think it was sent to tell me, we got this. We're not out of the woods yet. I mean, I still have some chemo to go. And we'll get through that, and then we'll get tested, I guess, every three to six months for the first year. But I think just to be here right now, it's a miracle. I think it's God, and he's put me up here. I haven't cried yet. I haven't lost it in front of you guys. I'm having a hard time controlling, not getting up, jumping up and down, hollering and screaming. Because, you know, I just think it's without prayer belief in God, it wouldn't happen. I mean, I know a lot of you in here prayed for me. I know I was on your list. Yeah, we're putting Santa Claus list because I hope I'd be on the good side. But It's just been an amazing journey. You know, February, February to today. And I think everybody says, oh, you look good. Well, I feel good. So they took that bag out, you know. Get my strength back. I'll, I'll start going fishing, and you know, and, and sharing this. I I just don't want this to be the last time that I get a chance to share this story. I hope there's other places that I can go. Um, I've already told Buddy when I when I get healthy again, I want to go to Philippines. I want to go. We got people that care for, for other people like that. I want to go. I have to stop calling myself fat boy because I mean, I'll be skinny here for long, but. I just, uh, I can't say enough. And, and, and I ask that anybody that's going through this, put your faith in God. Another thing is pray for the caregivers. The caregivers are phenomenal. I mean, when you get sick, you're not cleaning it up. It's the caregivers. When you can't get out of bed in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, it's the caregivers that pull you out of that bed and make it happen for you. And they're doing that because they love you, and God's got it. Well, that's all I got, Mr. Buddy. That's powerful. Thanks for sharing it. Yes, ma'am? Yes, ma'am? I do think it was Buddy's message 
after, you know, like I said, we had a lot of tragedy in the family. A lot of turmoil. Uh, my job's not the easiest job in the world. Um, and I think that I had drawn away. I mean, I'd stopped coming to church for about a year. I mean, and I think I'd just give up hope. And then when my mom died, like, you know, on the 2nd of December, three days before my birthday, I was like, come on, sitting right. Then I think, he said, okay, we're going to teach you a lesson. We're going to learn from this, and we're going to pull you through this. He brought me back, God brought me back to my faith. And I think this terrible cancer, all cancers are terrible. You know, I, saw, I was t- reading Glory something this morning, fighting a fish is hard, fighting cancer is harder. I think that that and my family brought me back to God. And I do not mind talking to anybody. I told Buddy one day, I said, I wish I could explain and quote more scripture. But that'll happen. I mean, I've got to get my strength back. The, the chemo does affect your, your memory and your balance. And, but that'll be out of the system soon. And then I'm going to do whatever I can do. I've told that gentleman up in Roanoke that if you want me to come up here and, and, and give my testimony, you just tell me what day to be there. I'll be there. I mean, I want to share because I think God has taken this country back. It's time to come back. It's time to put our faith in other men. It's time to pray. It's time for churches. How we, we got so many churches coming up now. They're small churches, but they're growing churches. And I, and I really think, uh, we went to one church and I felt the spirit was gone from that church. You know, Gloria and I worked with the youth. We had 60, 70 youth we would carry to evangelism conferences and stuff like that. But I felt that church lost its mission, lost its spirit. Here, I got the spirit. I don't have the strength to stand up and snap and clap yet. I'm amazed I'm still standing now, but you know what that is? That's God. He got me by the belt, belt buckle holding me up. You know, he's saying, do this, guy. Do this, fat boy. Tell them the story in your words. And when I try and explain the love of God to people, I use my words. You know, I express things that have happened. And, and, and I do think that's what it was, Barbara. I think it just, with losing my mom, I'd bottomed out. Uh, Donna Lynn and Glory forcing me to come back to church. I mean, and we came here. And then to walk in, and God's got us, the message. And it was like, uh-oh, <laughs> Guess I better start paying attention. So at that point, it was God telling me, get out of the closet. When you're in a closet and shut the door, it's dark. Is that the way you want to live your life? I don't want to live it that way anymore. I want to talk to people. You know, Gloria says you talk too much. You go to people you don't know. Well, that's the ones you got to do. When I rode with the CMA, you know, they would stay in certain areas. And me, I'm going over there with the guys that are drinking or smoking the pot because... Where would Jesus be? He's going to be over there. I'm a big guy. I wasn't worried about getting hurt. You know, I knew God was going to protect me. And I knew I could talk my way out of it. 
(laughs) I did that. I went to Myrtle Beach twice and towed a trailer. Didn't ride a motorcycle down there for bike week. Picking up motorcyclists on the side of the road, and if I couldn't fix their bikes, take them to where they were going so they could get them fixed. And who do you ride with? Christian Motorcycle Association. Wow, you guys are awesome. Again, one person at a time. I just want to do more. If anybody's out there, buddy knows how to get a hold of me, please, let me talk with you. Let me share. Let me help you through it. If you're going through a tough time, it doesn't have to be an illness. It could be a personal matter. God's got it, guys. Just remember that. You get up in the morning, God's got it. Let her roll. Man, well, I tell you what, that was just amazing, and I won't keep you guys long. I just want to say, I've known Dave a long time. I've I've married into the family. He's my cousin-in-law, but I just call him my cousin. And uh, he he gave you the straight story. Dave's always been involved. He's been a believer and things. And and a matter of fact, he might not remember the first time that I ever played out in a church years ago was when he set it up. The guy behind the scenes. So sometimes, you know, we go through a season in our life and maybe we are behind the scenes. That's okay. God still uses you. Let me tell you what, even through this, this, this terrible, terrible time that they've went through, we now have a ministry that goes to some of the places where they're given the chemo now. Through that, you go anywhere in our town and all over the world. Now you're hearing more about it, about the bracelets. I love that. God's got it. It's amazing. You know, everybody knows I love to go out to eat and I see people going to the drink machine and I see that. And I said, oh, you know Dave? And they go, who? I go, and I just smile. Because it's bigger than Dave. It's bigger than Keep the Promise. It's bigger than just me and you. It's God-sized. And God's got it. And I pray that those folks that are listening today, you know, here's a guy with a real story that's searching after a real God and God delivers. God's got it. You know, I, I love the scripture we got here. This is this is from the slide I preached that day. That a- absolutely is. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I want you to hear that today. That no matter how big your problem is, no matter how tough it seems, God is able. God is willing. And that's what I want you guys to hear today. It's just, it's a blessing to come alongside and see how God moves through his people. Isn't that something? And here's the thing. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. Maybe it's not cancer. Maybe it's not a divorce. Maybe it's not this or that. But let me tell you, that doesn't mean that your story is not any, uh, it's not any less miraculous than his story or my story or her story. It's amazing. And it may be you're in the middle of your story. Don't lose hope. There's folks out there that want to come alongside. Dave has done everything but give you his phone number. And if you ask for it, he'll give it to you anyway. You know, if you guys want to know more about what's going on, man, contact me through here. Grab me before you leave today. Whatever. We want to share the love of Christ. You know, when I think about love, it always gives. For God so loved the world that he gave. Dave can't stop. He's got to keep going. It's, it's not, it's not that he, he, and when I say he has to, it's in his heart so much to share about his Lord and Savior. It's so obvious. He's talking about quoting, quoting scripture. He's walking scripture. <laughs> By your stripes I am healed. Amen. God's working in his life.
And God wants to work in your life the same way. So I, I pray as we come to this part of our, our, our service today, our family time is what I really want to call it, is that if there's somebody here today, or if there's somebody listening today, and I don't care if you listen to this message five months from now, five years from now, this is not going to change what I'm telling you. That God loves you. That God loved you so much that he gave Jesus Christ to pay the, the sin debt in full. The Bible says all is sin and fall short of glory of God. Let's just break it down. We all have missed the mark. But God says, I want to bring you back to me. I want to bring you back in that relationship. And the only way he could do that, somebody had to pay our sin debt. We couldn't give enough. We couldn't do enough. We couldn't be uh, smart enough. But he sent the perfect sacrifice. Jesus came willingly. And let me tell you. Next week we'll be really thinking about that as, as, as we go into Christmas time, Christmas time. Because you know what? Jesus shows up on the scene in flesh. And let me tell you, that's what we all hold dear to. He came, he lived a sinless life, and he laid down his life for each one of us. They went over to time and time again about the hands being pierced, about the sacrifice, about the cross. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And when you couple your faith, you're believing, I trust you, Lord, for taking my place. That's what we deserved. He didn't deserve that. But he willingly laid down his life so that you can have the riches that he, he has in heaven. And it doesn't have to start then. It can start right here, right now. The peace that passes all understanding. Amazing church family. The wisdom of God. The forgiveness of God. I want to say that again. The forgiveness of God. Let me tell you, friends, if you want to open a great present, a great gift this year, open up the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do you open it up? You open it up by faith. You say, Lord, come into my life and forgive me of my sin. Lord, I believe you're the son of God that takes away the sin of the world. Lord, I'm turning from my sin and I'm, I'm coming to you. Help me, Lord. I need you. I believe you're the son of God. Save me. I'm going to tell you, there's no greater gift than that. And I pray that we receive that today. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you so much for a willing vessel. I thank you so much for, for working in the lives of your children. And that they are so willing to represent, not just represent, but represent you to others. Father, let us be that mirror Christ today. And I pray, Lord, as we go on, on our way from here, that we take this message and we share it with the world. Not just Dave's story, but your story. The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that allows us to come boldly to the throne of grace. That allows us forgiveness of our sin. That allows us uh, to renew our mind with the Word of God. Re reminds us that we belong in your family, Lord. Friends, I'm telling you today, stop running. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming others. Stop blaming yourself. Open the gospel gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Stand to your feet. We got a song to sing before we dismiss you. It's called New Day. Everybody likes a fresh start. We're going to sing about it right here in the Lord today. Amen. You wisdom and peace from above. Your love kindness was shown for our love could ever be. If there's a life, Lord, I 
service today share the message share the message you will be blessed don't forget next week we'll be doing it again at 10 a.m you guys have a great week bye-bye